smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learned something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. This is Lee Habib, and this is Our American Stories, and we tell stories about everything here on this show. Up next, a story in a way about a song, but so much more. You might know the song, I Drive Your Truck by Lee Bryce, but do you know the story of the man who inspired the song? His name was Jared Monty, and he was a hero of the highest caliber. Here to tell Jared's story is Paul Monty, his father. I think his lot in life was to try to bring joy to anybody and everybody that he ever met. Well, Jared was a very adventurous kid. There wasn't a tree too high for him to climb or or a hill. There wasn't a body of water too wide, too deep for him to cross. There were certain characteristics in him that became apparent as he grew. We like to talk about his life in terms of three principles that he lived by. The first of which was uh, to always try your hardest. And this we noticed with him, whether it was sports or school or anything else that he had to do. He was a kid that always gave 100% to everything he did. His second principle was to never give up. And that became also apparent. One of the stories I like to tell regarding that was uh, he was a really, really good basketball player. He was pretty much the shortest kid in his class, but he was a heck of a basketball player. And when he went to middle school, he tried out for the JV team, and he was the last one cut from the team. His fellow players said they were all gonna quit because Monty wasn't picked. And Jared got them together and talked to them and said, hey, you don't quit. You guys keep going, don't worry about me. So that passed, and the next year, middle school, he tried out for the team again, and again he was the last cut. And then the third year, he tried out again, this time for the varsity. And 
the varsity coach came up to him and said, uh, Jared, why don't you um, accept the position as team manager and you can warm up with the team before games, but of course you can't play. And he accepted that. After the second game, the coach found a uniform for him because, you know, it was kind of embarrassing. He was the only one in street clothes warming up. And then after the third game, the coach started using him as, you know, a mop-up player towards the end of a game. By the end of the season, he was outscoring some of the starters on the team. At his graduation from middle school, when they were giving out the awards uh, for the basketball team, the coach got up and read all the names. And then when he got to the end, he said, he said, this last guy is the epitome of what an athlete should be. And he's the biggest mistake that I ever made in my 25 years of coaching basketball. What an honor to a young man and what courage it took for him to do that and to be that guy that, you know, never gave up that kept on trying. What a character he must have had to do that kind of a thing. He always did the right thing. No matter what it cost him personally, doing the right thing was just part of him. You know, one day when I came home and looked in his room, his bed was missing. And I called him and I said, Jared, uh, where's your bed? He said, well, Dad, one of my one of my friends was kicked out of his house. He's sleeping over someone else's house and they don't have a bed for him. He's sleeping on the floor and he can't sleep. I don't mind sleeping on the floor, Dad, so I gave him my bed. Another incident, he came to me one day and said, Dad, uh, would you mind if I cut down one of those spruce trees we have in the front of the house? I said, well, what do you want that for? He said, well, um, guys and I, we want to have, uh, have our own Christmas tree. I said, well, okay, go ahead. And it was only after his death when one of his friends came up to me and said, Mr. Monty, you remember the Christmas tree Jared cut down? And I said, yeah. He said, well, he didn't really cut that down for us. He found a single mom in town that had three kids and didn't have enough money to celebrate Christmas with the kids. So he brought it to her house and got lights for it and ornaments for it. He bought presents for all the kids and for the woman. And then he stayed and made Christmas dinner for them all and never told a soul. It's, it's these kinds of things that he did and with great humility. I remember a day when uh, he asked me to drive him to a weightlifting competition. I did, I drove him there and I said, well, when do you want me to pick you up? Or do you want me to come in? And he says, no, 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 no. I've got to ride home with somebody else. Now, after his death, I went up to clean his room and underneath his bed was a box full of trophies. He had soccer trophies and baseball trophies and basketball trophies. But what stood out was this three-foot trophy that was under the bed of a weightlifter. And I read the plaque and it said, New England Weightlifting Championships, first place, under 17 division, Jared Monty. Never told anybody. It wasn't being done for personal gain. It was just, this is something I want to do to, you know, for myself. And, and that's what he did. 
it, it just carried on throughout his life. And, and the culmination of all of that was on that day that, uh, that he died. And you're listening to Paul Monty tell the story of his fallen son. And my goodness, if you're a son and your dad speaks these words over you like this, you are one lucky man. And if you're a dad who gets to speak these words about a son, you're one lucky father. When we come back, more of this remarkable story, this beautiful story, father and son bond, a fallen soldier's story, more of Paul Monty's story and Jared's here on Our American Story. Folks, if you love the great American stories we tell and love America like we do, we're asking you to become a part of the Our American Stories family. If you agree that America is a good and great country, please make a donation. A monthly gift of $17.76 is fast becoming a favorite option for supporters. Go to OurAmericanStories.com now and go to the donate button and help us keep the great American stories coming. That's OurAmericanStories.com. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. And we return to Our American Stories and the story of Sergeant First Class Jared Monty. When we last left off, Paul Monty, Jared's father, was telling us about the kind of person that his son was. Let's pick up where we last left off. 
Well, it was his junior year in high school, and he came home and said, Dad, can I talk to you? I said, sure. He said, I want to join the Army, Dad. And I said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I said, you know, you're, a, you're an A student. You're going to go to college, son. He said, well, Dad, you can't afford to send me to college. And I said, well, you know, Jared, I'll, I'll just get another job. He said, Dad, you're, you're already working two and three jobs. Let me do this. I'll go in the Army, and they'll pay for my college. What was I to say? You know, being only 17, I had to sign papers for him, and I did very reluctantly. But, you know, like I had said before, he was a very adventurous kid, and this, this really appealed to him. This idea of, you know, the, the adventure of the military and seeing the world, and, and he loved his country. So there it was, it was made for him. He was a 13F Ford Observer, what we used to call the Suicide Squad because they were always operating behind enemy lines. That bothered me too. I mean, like I said, we called it the Suicide Squad. But danger, dangerous things never bothered him. You know, he loved the roller coaster. He loved riding a motorcycle. That kind of thing didn't bother him. And especially in the military where he knew how important it was to saving lives. That's, that's what he loved. He, number of times, got himself into trouble in the military for that kind of a thing of, uh, being a little more adventurous than some officer wanted him to be. I remember an incident in uh, South Korea where he had to take his platoon out on basically a, a war games maneuver and they came to a, a stream which was flowing really quickly. They were supposed to cross this stream and when Javid saw the stream, he, uh, he halted his guys and said, uh, you know what, that doesn't look safe at all. Let me go out and check it and make sure it's safe for all of us. Now, being a sergeant at that time, normally you would assign that to, you know, a private or someone. But Jared always led from the front. It was always my boys, Dad, my boys. He looked upon them as young people that he had to protect. It was his job to make sure his guys were safe. So he forded the stream, but he ended up getting washed downstream. They all thought he was dead. But luckily enough, there was a floating branch in the water that he was able to cling to until they found him and, uh, and took him out. But that's, again, it, it, it was always a matter of him taking the chances and not allowing his boys to be in the line of danger. That's, that's just who he was. It's just what he did. And yeah, he ended up being twice deployed to Afghanistan. Probably the most dangerous area in all of Afghanistan was this area in the Kuna Valley. This was the 
place where the Taliban would come in from Pakistan. Um, this was their main route. And the army had decided that they were gonna put a kibosh on this. They had tried a number of times and were never successful. But they did put together this plan. So Jared uh, with his platoon and Chris Cunningham, who was another sergeant, he was a sniper and he had his snipers. So there were 16 of them all together. Eight of them were forward observers and eight snipers. And they were tasked to climb this mountain. The mountain was uh, 8,500 feet high, to set up an observation post at the top of the mountain to view the crossing area down below in the valley so that they could call in fire when the main force a day later was to come into the valley. So um, in a hundred degree heat and all of these guys carrying you know, packs of 70 plus pounds, climbing mostly at night, they climbed hill 2610. It took them two days to climb that. Now as an aside to that, uh, the night before they left to make this climb, I got a call very early in the morning, got me out of bed. Get out of bed, I answered the, the phone, said hello, and I heard, hi Pop, happy Father's Day. And uh, I was like shocked um, that he would call me to wish me a happy Father's Day. And um, at the end of that conversation, he said, uh, Dad, I gotta go, we're leaving on a mission. And that's when they, they left to climb that, that mountain. It was hot, uh, they were out of food, they were out of water, and um, the army had made provisions to have an airdrop for them at the same time they were going into the valley so that the helicopter dropping their provisions wouldn't be noticed. However, because one helicopter was down, um, needed repairs, the Army decided to postpone the attack into the valley for two days, which left the guys at the top without food and water. And the Army then decided to send in their supply helicopter anyway. The helicopter came in, it missed the drop point, and dropped the stuff way too near them marking their position. As the sun was setting on that day, they heard noises in the woods that surrounded this plateau, about half the size of a football field. And at that point, all hell broke loose. Small arms fire, machine guns, RPGs started raining in on their position so badly that these guys couldn't pop their head up. One of them got his rifle shot out of his hands. Uh, another one was shot in the, in the wrist and in the back. Um, the trees surrounding them had no branches left on them. And Private Bradbury and, and another soldier who had been kind of at the point 
they were in danger of being overrun. And so they decided to run back to the opposite end where there were some rocks they could hide behind. The one soldier made it, but Bradbury was hit and he was down. You know, it's like being in the middle of a, of a football field or a baseball field, totally devoid of any cover whatsoever. No rocks, no trees. And the enemy was still fighting at him. Jared called in for artillery, mortars, air support, danger close, which I think people understand that means the bombs are going to be dropping so close to you that if you're not down, the chances are you're going to be killed as well as the enemy. And after calling in the coordinates, that's when Jared handed off the radio to someone else, and that's when he tightened his chin strap and Chris Cunningham had said, I'm, I'm going out to get Bradbury. And Jared answered him back and said, no, he's, he's my boy, I'm gonna get him. When we come back, more of the remarkable story of Jared and Paul Monty, as told by the father about a fallen son, here on Our American Stories. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. But the six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. And we return to Our American Stories and the story of Sergeant First Class Jared Monty. When we last left off, Jared was surrounded by a group of 50 insurgents, outmanned and outgunned. And to add to the situation, a fellow soldier, Brian J. Bradbury, was down and exposed to enemy fire. 
Jared decided he would expose himself too in order to save his private. Let's return to the story. He ran out to get Bradbury and he was driven back by the heavy enemy fire. There were at least 50 Taliban firing at them. And then he tried a second time and was driven back a second time. And, you know, not being able to give up and wanting to do the right thing, out he went the third time. That's when he was hit by the RPG and he was killed. And that's, that's what led up to him receiving the uh, Medal of Honor. I haven't gotten through it. Um, next month will be 15 years, and I'm still stuck in it. No one should lose a child. It's not supposed to happen that way. It's, uh, you know, the parents go first, and the, and the children grieve for them. I'll never forget that night, 9.45 p.m. I'm sitting watching America's Got Talent and my doorbell rang and um, I saw two men come around the side of the house in uniform and I knew immediately. You know, you answer the door and you get the government response. Um, you know, we uh, we need to inform you that, you know, your son was, was killed in action. And from that moment on, you just, you're off somewhere. I remember sitting down with them at the dining room table and having a stack of papers shoved in front of me and asked to sign this, sign this, sign this, and you just go through the motions. You don't want to believe what they're saying. You want to think that someone made a mistake. Um, I was so, I, I was so messed up. I mean, his guys, they couldn't believe what happened. Monty was so revered to them that nothing could ever happen to him. To this day, they have the same feeling. They all. I don't think any of them have ever gotten over what happened. He wasn't just, you know, their sergeant. He was their friend. Yeah, I'm your boss and I'm gonna, you know, guide you, but I'm gonna be your friend. Back in the States, every weekend, he would either be going to someone's house to help them put in a floor or he was having a barbecue for them, or if there was a celebration for one of their children, he would be there. He took care of them as if they were, and indeed they were his brothers. That's where my pride comes in, that he was such a good human being, that I wonder if I'm even worthy to be called his father. It's really very, very difficult to understand that a person like this is related to you, never mind being your own son.
wasn't even expecting the truck. Um, when they delivered all his stuff from his apartment in New York, the last thing that came off was his truck. And I was like, wow. There was a empty bottle. Well, it wasn't quite empty on the floorboards. Um, he liked his chaw, so he always had a bottle with him to spit into. <laughs> so that was that was in there. He had toothpaste in there. He had mouthwash. He had a toothbrush. He had yeah. He had a little container of coins. He had uh, oh lord, just you know a guy's truck. I mean, it's pretty much the same even now, 15 years later, as it was when he left. I never vacuumed it. It sure needs it, but I just don't want to remove his DNA. I don't want that sucked up by a vacuum cleaner. So, yeah, it's a little messy, but um, it's, it's him and he's with me when I drive it. I don't drive it as much as I used to. It was my everyday vehicle for a while, and then I realized that it had to be preserved, so um, I got another vehicle, but I still make sure I drive his truck whenever, whenever I can, at least once a week to get it out and running. Some people have said, you know, time heals all wounds. It, it doesn't. It, it absolutely doesn't. I'm 15 years in, and it's almost like it happened yesterday. This is the way it is. The way my life is now, you know, there's a door in front of me with my son's name on it. And I'm expecting to be able to open that door and go and visit him and go to sports games with him and go fishing with him and just have him over my house for a barbecue um, to hold his kids, my grandkids on my lap. Um, that's what I expect when I open that door. But when I actually reach out and open that door, it's just totally dark inside. There will be no barbecues in the backyard. There will be no Red Sox games, there will be no fishing trips, um, there will be no grandkids. I know the Lord works in very mysterious ways and I know that no matter who you are, when a loved one dies, you always have that question, why God? But I was actually able to answer that question. Duh whole thing that came about from my son's death, the fact that we now have a charity that places flags on every grave at the National Cemetery in Porn, every Memorial Day and every Veterans Day, now placing 77,000 flags. Um, the fact that we were able to give out $16,000 in scholarship money this year the effect that Jared's had on so many people, especially young people throughout the entire country, indeed in some cases the world, it seems to me that uh, God looked down and he said, uh, 
You know, Jared, you're doing a fabulous job on that planet, but if you come up here with me, you'll be able to do even more. And that's what he's been doing since he passed. Even more. And a spectacular job by Monty, as always. And my goodness, what a piece of storytelling from Paul Monty. I haven't gotten through it. No one should lose a child. The parent goes first. He wasn't just their sergeant, he said. He was their friend. He was such a good human being. The story of Jared Monty. The story of Paul Monty. Here on Our American Stories. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know. What were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. 